0: The, uh, the Portuguese language is very beautiful when it's sung, uh, but when it's spoken from my wife to her Portuguese-speaking parents, and I don't understand what's being said, it's not so beautiful. Uh, it's their code when I'm in trouble, I think, uh, to talk to one another. Uh, Ben did a wonderful job leading us last week. I was out on the Lake Jay trip uh, with the students and it was good to listen to hear what he shared. If you haven't heard that, you need to go back on our media page, on our website or on our Facebook page and, and, to, and to hear what he had to share and I'll actually come back to that passage uh, this morning. We're, we're reading through the Bible in three years. If you haven't done that with us, you can just read two chapters a day for 6 months and catch up with us and then it's just one chapter a day read pray com, and that's the name of the series we're just kind of walking through what did we read this past week and then what is it we need to hear as we've we've gathered here we're in Leviticus 7 from our readings this past week and I'll confess to you the end of Exodus and the beginning of Leviticus this is this is difficult stuff it's not just difficult, it's tedious stuff. They wore this, they did this, they built that. And you're thinking, how does, that, how does that apply to my worship? How does that apply to my life? But this is loaded with meaning. Loaded with meaning about who God is, but also who are we to be? How is it we're to live for God and with God? And so there's, there's so much here for us about who he is. Is. So my father, I think I've told you before, his best friend started what is now the world's largest concert audio company. Uh, they provide audio, uh, uh, concert audio for the Rolling Stones, for Bob Dylan, for all these modern acts as well, you too. But when they started out early, they, they started with a group called Frankie Valley and the Four Seasons, if you remember them. But my dad has roadied for... He's toured with Glenn Campbell, with Chicago, he was, did Janis Joplin's last show, but I remember him telling me about a show he did with just two other people back in the 70s at Madison Square Garden, and there's a whole lot of stories with that, but it was a group called Blood, Sweat, and Tears, if you remember that group. Blood, Sweat, and Tears, what a great name for a band, so I'm going to steal from that this morning. This will also be another great name for a modern band. So any of you aspiring players, ready? Blood, Fat, and Touch. That's where we are. If anybody wants to borrow that, 10% comes back to our church. But that's where we are this morning because that's what's really going on in this passage. And again, it says so much about who God is and how we approach him, but also who we need to be in our response to God. Now, let's get some background where we are. Remember now, the last six chapters of Exodus have been, here's how you build that traveling tabernacle. Here's how I'll be set apart so you can worship me. And then these first seven chapters in Leviticus basically are, here's what the priests do to make sacrifices. Here are the sacrifices and functions of their tabernacle. And we're at the very end, in the very end of chapter 7, there's a summation of that. Here's what we do and why we do what we do in their tabernacle. You bring the sacrifices to the tabernacle. By the way, you get into chapter 17 and we see why that is. This is not some business racket for the priest. This is commanded by God because in chapter 17, when they are left to their own devices, they're called out. You've been worshiping and sacrificing to me in open fields. I encourage you to go back. 17 is loaded with so many things. Go back and read that. But you've been worshiping me in open fields, and it's led to sacrifices to others. Not just others, but to goat gods or goat demons. So you're you're in time out now you're grounded. Anytime you come to make a sacrifice, you need to come to the door of the temple because anytime you approach the holy and living God, you must be careful with that. The good news is God has always desired relationship with us that's always been his heart you go back to the beginning of Genesis and God walking with them it's always been his heart but because God is holy and because of our own stuff and carelessness there's a reminder here to be careful how we approach the Lord this would be a good word for another sermon someday how many of you stretched before you came to worship this morning How many of you made sure you were properly hydrated before you came to worship? How many of you reviewed your game plan before you came to worship? We don't think about that sometimes. Anybody who plays on a team will do that. Anybody who's got a big game will do all those things. But what God is saying to his people, when you come to me, you can come to me anytime. That's the goodness of being in Christ and a child of his spirit. Are you ready to meet me in my house? Have you prepared ahead of time with your time, your sacrifice of praise, your sacrifice of giving? All these reminders here that when we approach the Lord, this is another sermon another day. we approach the Lord, we want to be ready in how we approach Him. But what's here for us? We're going to work backwards here, going down to verse 26 and 27, as we look at blood, fat, and touch. First, the blood. Even though it's the last listed here, first, the blood. We've seen this repeated throughout the scriptures. You find it in Genesis. You find it in Leviticus. You find it in Deuteronomy. You find it in First Samuel. Just this reminder throughout scriptures, you don't eat blood. Even when they make the concessions, we said a few weeks ago in Acts 15 at the Jerusalem Council, and here are these Gentile Christians who have got the Spirit, do we need to circumcise them for them to be in the church? No, we don't do that, but, but let's give them two admonitions. Number one, you keep yourself sexually pure. Now, you can understand that from some of the craziness that these Gentiles were coming out of where there wasn't a God of holiness who said, here's this gift of sexuality, but here are the parameters for it. They're coming out of a wild life, and so it is right to say, hey, here's, what, here's how God has blessed you with this gift, but he wants you to be careful with these this gift. But then the second thing to say to these Gentiles is, oh, and make sure you don't eat blood. Even then it's brought up as something very important that for us in our culture, we just kind of might look over that and say, why? why is that going on? Why is that such a big deal? Besides the fact it's kind of gross. <laughs> why is that such a big deal? Because blood is life. And it's, it's even more than that. Blood is death. There's life in the blood, and when the blood is drained and it has to be fully drained from the sacrifice, blood means there's been not just a life given, but somebody has died in your place. Leviticus 17, again, go back and read that chapter. Some Bible commentators say Leviticus 17, is the heart of Leviticus. Now get, let me get this right. That's the heart of Leviticus, and it's basically a verse that says, don't eat blood. That's the heart of Leviticus. This reminder again, from, 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 from Scripture, blood is life, and it's even more than that. It means there's been a death. This idea that, yes, when we talk about atonement, blood means covering. It means screening. From the very first sin, from Genesis 3, what is it that they try to do with their guilt and their shame? They cover themselves. They try to cover their nakedness with fig leaves. And I've joked before, they're scratchy. We are silly in how we try to cover our stuff and our sin. How are they covered? It may be the first shedding of blood of all of Scripture, where God kills an animal and that, that blood or those skins would cover their sin and their shame. Blood covers It screens from the very beginning a life for a life. That word also has ties to the understanding of blood, also has ties to the word and its monetary, redemption or debt, or also ransom or penalty to cover sin. So so blood is understood as a covering. Blood is understood as a, a penalty and debt paid, but blood is also understood as life or a death for your life. It's why you couldn't use the sacrifice of an animal that you had found in the wild that was already dead. Matter of fact, it's also why you couldn't eat an animal that was found dead in the wild. Think how many Southerners couldn't enjoy the possum off the road uh, that we have if we were still under that restra- Yeah. Why? seems like good stewardship is because the blood had settled in those animals. The blood had not been drained. And blood is life. And the life has to be given for you. It has to be blood that is alive. That's why when you you baptized... It was always a living water. It's why when the Jews would go to worship for Passover, the other festivals, and there were ritual baths that they would dip themselves in before they approached the holy mountain, those waters had to be stirred and moving. There's no stillness. It's why you'll see me when I baptize. That water still, not when I baptize. I dip it two or three times again because God's the God of life, and those are living Waters. It has to be alive. It can't be an animal where the blood had been settled. It's blood or it's life or it's actually a death for a life. And it had to be done by the priest. It had to be done at the tabernacle. And it really is it's a hard truth to hear, but it's the truth of all of Scripture. It's an acknowledgement by the worshiper that my life and my blood to approach a holy God is not enough. To approach you, I am unable to stand before you with my life or my sin. And so I bring this life, this whatever it might be, firstborn, unblemished gift to you. And if you've been going through our daily readings, we're reminded, how did that death take place? It wasn't the priest, typically. Sometimes it is, but typically in our readings for these offerings, it's not the priest. How was it done? As a representation of my sin, it's my hand that's put on the animal. It's my stuff. It's my disobedience put on this animal, and then I have to kill it. I have to shed its blood for me. What a horror and a reminder of, 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 of the hurt and the consequences of sin. So there's a reminder here again that, that this animal was brought, this animal was in your place for your sin, and then we come to hear this music this morning as a reminder to us, as St. Ambrose and St. Augustine and all the church fathers and mothers would remind us, it is in Christ, The only one who both stood as high priest for us, but also as Corey prayed this morning, was also the lamb for us. He was both priest and sacrifice, victor and victim, so that we might have our sins forgiven. Our high priest shed his blood. Did he live a perfect example? Yes. Did he have great teachings? Yes. Is he king of all kings? Yes. The heart of it is this, though. He was the Lamb of God for us and for our redemption. As Hebrews reminds us, there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. So much there in that book of Hebrews about who our high priest is and what he has won for us. But again, the heart of it is this. He died once for all. And so we read over these verses in Leviticus, which again are so tedious, but they're a reminder to us that there is no mercy, there is no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. And just to amplify that, go back and read 1 through 7. As as difficult and again, as, as repetitive as it is, what kinds of sacrifices are these for? What kinds of sacrifices is this to specifically be forgiveness for? Unintentional sin that you do something against a brother or a sister, and then you realize later, oh no, that was a sin. I need to go make an offering. So much of this is just unintentional stuff, and look at the price and the cost for that. Basically saying to this, if you've intentionally walked away from the Lord, if you've intentionally not loved your neighbor, we don't even have a sacrifice for that. You're just going to have to throw yourself at the mercy of God. Throw yourself at the feet of God. And that's why Christ came, that the Lamb of God might forgive and wipe clean whatever we have done unintentionally but also intentionally. We still have to come to the door, though. As John reminds us, Jesus is the door. As John reminds us in his gospel, Jesus is the Lamb of God who was given for us. Praise God for his provision, for his life that is found in and through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. What about the fat? When we talk about fat, for us in our culture, we may not get it. Verses 22 through 25, we're already seeing, especially in the blood, that even though these these are physical and material things, they're of spiritual significance. God, just like the sacrament, is working through physical things to remind us of a deep spiritual reality. So in the blood is life. It reminds us again of our need to have our sins covered and paid for uh, by a sacrifice. And then here in the fat, what could that mean? Especially, we, we don't get that really in our culture. Sometimes um, we might struggle with what that would mean. But if you re- go back to Genesis 27, which many of us have read, it's a reminder that God has blessed them with the fat of the lamb. In that culture and in that day, the fat would have been considered the richest part. We may not think that, but it was the richest part of the animal. We didn't get to read it this morning. If you go down, there's a reminder too. I want to point this out, that the priests were given the thigh, and what else? They were given the choice meats of, of the thigh, and I think also, uh, it may be the breast. I don't, I don't have that here, but they were given two pieces of the choicest meats. Let me say that again. For a preacher who always has to stand in the back of the line at covered dishes. Oh, all the fried chicken's gone. There's some cold spaghetti left. I'm supposed to have a thigh, and I think I. A... You ever, you know how it was when you were first dating, right? And you'd pick out a Mexican restaurant because you knew you could fill up on the chips because you had no money. Remember that? I actually had a college intern one time, and I'm not going to tell you his name because he's now the pastor of Vertical Church down the road, Ben Derrick. But uh, Ben and Cammie would go, they'd order a glass of water, and they'd have the chips, and, that, and then they'd leave. I mean, that was free, you know. That's what, they, that's what you do. If you've, you have a little date, you meet at a coffee shop if it's cheap, hey, let's just share a cappuccino. But what if somebody said, hey, listen, we're going to have this cappuccino, but I get all the foam. And you can have the coffee. Well, I would think, I just scored in that deal. If I get all the coffee and you get the foam, right? Or you get a nice steak and somebody says, okay, I get the fat and you get the, all the meat. And I was like, okay, but next time I get the fat. You wouldn't argue for the foam or the fat. In this culture, and there's a lot of other reasons commentators speculate, health reasons and other things, I know. But this, in our culture, we wouldn't think about that as something precious, and, and valuable but going back to Ben last week in Genesis 4 Abel's sacrifice had a, as he said a quality to it we would guess it's the fat because the fat if you listen to Leviticus all of it is mine says the Lord all of it it is a pleasing aroma to me and he's very clear this fat is mine Leviticus 6, 3.16 all of it is mine. It's the best in that culture of the sacrifice. And so when I hear that, when I read that, I I immediately say, Lord, you've blessed them and you're going to say it elsewhere in Leviticus. You've said it in Jerusalem. Could it be that the fat is important? Could it be because partly that's a sign of your provision. For those animals to have had that fat means that you have blessed, that you've brought richness to that land. And so you need a portion of that richness given back to you as a sign of, you've given us this, Lord. We acknowledge that. And so it is yours. The other parts of the animal, the priest get or whatever, but but that is a sign of your abundance, your provision, and so it goes back to you. And I, I look at my own life and say, Lord, you've blessed me with so much. How can I but be a steward? Anything but a steward. And as you look at them in Genesis 27 or here, this reminder again, could it be, You get the best of the sacrifice because that sacrifice wouldn't have its best if it wasn't for you. You're the God of abundance. You're the God of provision. And so when I look at my life and my gifts and I I need to say, you know what? My resources, they are from him. Yes? My time, that gift of time, it is from him. My talents or my spiritual gifts, they are from him. So, So you have them. Love watching some of you, even just over the last couple of weeks, say, my vacation's not even mine. I'm going to the Dominican Republic with our students. I'm going to Honduras with our church. I'm going to Lake J to, to bless our kids. What, the best of what I've been blessed with, the abundance of my life, it's not mine. It, all of it is God's. Where is that this morning as we look over how He has blessed and made provision. Lord, it's, it's all yours, and I want my sacrifice, as Ben said last week, to have a quality to it. I want it to be a soothing and pleasing aroma to you. Last word, then, is touch, and we'll do this very quickly. Again, um, this reminder of, of the people of God being very careful with how they approach God, but also how they live life in terms of they can't touch verse 19 anything that is unclean Um, touch is very important there are prohibitions in scripture even with god if you remember uh, as we've done our bible reading here obviously you can't look upon god let alone touch him but also you can't touch or go into the holy of holies But on top of that, if you remember three or four weeks ago in sermon, we said you couldn't even touch the holy mountain when Moses had gone up. There was a boundary, and you're not to cross that boundary and to touch. It wasn't that God didn't want to be known, but he only wanted to be known rightly and correctly. And then he says here, if there are things that are unclean, you don't touch them. Every baby has that look. Every baby has that look right before they have to use the restroom in a big way. Sarah and I were blessed a few of the mornings at Lake Junaluska to be able to feed Ward Uh, at breakfast. One particular morning, we saw that look on Ward's face. He gave us the look. It was time, and he unloaded. Uh, One of my children, not Kate, uh, I remember one of our children in diapers not only had the look, but he would go off into a corner and shake, and then afterwards say, don't touch it, don't touch it, don't touch it. We didn't want to touch it. <laughs> if it's unclean, you don't touch it. God is saying here, not just with sacrificial language, but there's a reminder to his people um, However that animal's died or if, there's, if it's unclean, you don't touch it. And as a matter of fact, it's so serious. Do you know in all three of these, I didn't say it in the other two, all three of these he says, if you miss the blood, if you miss that in your life, if you're careless with that and you eat that, if you're careless with the fat and you go ahead and take it for yourself, or if you're careless with your touch, all three say, I'll cut you off. That's how serious God is for our salvation. For our staying close to him, to say those words, not of anger or to just crush us, but to say this is so serious, don't be cut off in my discipline because I want you close. I'm telling you now. It's a great word, by the way, with our friendships and with our family, with our neighbors. It's not a word of judgment per se, but it's really, I just want us to stay as close to God as we can. And so God gives us this word, don't touch, because it's the first thing we do. The first thing we do is grasp at fruit that is not ours. The one tree, the one fruit, whatever that fruit was, touch and grab. Uh, and that's been the temptation throughout Scripture. And you know it's not just touch. Because Jesus, um, he gives us some more clarity on that. Look, you say it's adultery's sin. Yes! Yes! It's your heart. Commit adultery in your heart. Yes, it's, it's hating your brother. It's in your heart. So it's touching. It's, it's whatever attitude or whatever lust or anger or greed or whatever that is It's in my heart as well. It's not just physical touch. Don't consume anything that is unclean. How is it in your life where you know this week, just rehearsing this week, where have I been careless to? Yeah, maybe I didn't touch, but I let my eyes, I let my imagination, I let my will, I let my attitude touch this world. I'm okay because I just, I just thought about those things, or right? I just, and when we touch the world, we begin to, doesn't mean we don't minister to the world. First John is so clear about that. In it, but not of it. But God's saying to his people desperately, Don't touch it. In it, yes. But if you touch it, it could destroy you. And here's here's the good news going back to our, our very first point. Don't touch anything unclean at all. None. Zip. Zero. Nada. And then Jesus assumed human flesh. That which was not just broken, but that which was defiled, that which was full of sin and corrupt, and you can read Romans 1 through 3 on that, broken. And Jesus said, let me go there. Let me assume human flesh, and I'm going to give that life back to you, Father, for the forgiveness of my people. The God who said, don't touch anything unclean, entered into our stuff and gave his life as a ransom for many. Wherever you have been this week and you've noticed that my imagination, my thought life, my heart, my will, my hopes have been touching things that are unclean. We have a God who touches us in our sin and makes us clean by the blood of his very son, Jesus Christ. That's our hymn uh, this morning as we close. To confess our praise to God because he, in spite of my stuff, touched me and makes me whole. Praise God for that. Let's stand together as we respond and as we sing.